In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord, my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The theme of our meditation today, Lord, very much in your presence, is your sacred humanity, the sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the richness of our Lord's humanity, the richness of his human personality, shows up at times in subtle ways. For instance, the passage in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus encounters those disciples on the way to Emmaus after his resurrection. For me, it's a very beautiful one, and and it kind of shows us what Jesus is like, humanly speaking, how he dealt with people. The disciples are walking along, as we know, away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus, and they're dejected. And Jesus approaches them, and they can't recognize him. And he engages them in this way. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? And they go on to tell our Lord, kind of ironically, they tell our Lord precisely what happened to him, the things that he lived through, the things that he was the protagonist in, his crucifixion and death. But what's very beautiful here is how much Jesus respects the freedom of these disciples, how humanly he engages them. What are you discussing with each other as you walk along? And then he says, what things? Tell me about it. Tell me what you think about it. Even though, obviously, he, he lived through it himself. He wants to hear it from them. He wants to draw them out. Lord, we see a great refinement in these questions. What are you speaking about as you as you walk along the way? What things have you experienced that are bothering you? What's on your mind? Lord, we see here a great gentleness in your approach to people, great naturalness. There's a similar scene in the Gospels where our Lord is walking along with the disciples and they get to a certain place and they stop. And Jesus asks them, what were you discussing on the way? And they all fall silent. And of course, with his divinity, again, he knows what they were talking about. But he engages them humanly. What were you discussing on the way? And they're quiet because they were talking about who's the greatest. They were being proud and ambitious. And he didn't want them to have that attitude. But again, it's it's a very interesting approach that Jesus has. What are you talking about? And in our personal prayer, that's a wonderful thing to let Jesus ask us. 
What are you speaking about as you go along, as you walk along your day? What's on your mind? What's worrying you? What's important to you? How are you? <laughs> Jesus is interested in us personally. How are you? What's going on? To talk about our Lord's sacred humanity usually refers to our Lord's human nature. When we think of nature, we think the we think of the nature of a thing. A human thing has a body and a soul, and our Lord was truly a human being, even though not just a human being, and therefore had a body and soul. But the word humanity also refers to what we can call his humanness or his humaneness. This is what we mean when we call someone humane. Or when we say that someone is very human. Or sometimes we say that someone is a man or a woman of great humanity. What does this refer to? It refers to their ability to relate to others, to click with others. Especially to be compassionate, to connect and identify with others. To be close to all sorts of people. And in this sense, Jesus' human personality was very humane, it was very human. In the gospel, we see that Jesus had this quality of human connection to an incredible degree. He was friends with all sorts of people. Some of his closest followers were simple fishermen. He had other educated friends like Nicodemus. He had friends in socially difficult situations. Tax collectors like Matthew and Zacchaeus. Public sinners like Mary Magdalene and the woman at the well. He was friends with families like Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. He was friendly with those who disagreed with them and he engaged with them. We find him in the house as a guest in the house of Simon the Pharisee who criticizes him. He even calls Judas his friend in the moment of betrayal in the garden. We see that our Lord liked to be with all sorts of people. He liked to be with children, with the sick, with the lame, with the blind, with the poor. Jesus liked all sorts of people, connected humanly with all sorts of people. And this means that he likes you and me too. He feels connected to us. He's interested in us. The saints talk about the prayer life and the spiritual life at times as friendship with God or friendship with Christ. And I think this friendship with God happens most easily and most naturally precisely through this connection with our Lord's sacred humanity. In our prayer, to see how Jesus talks to other people, how he treats them, what kind of relationship he has with them, and then to apply that to our own relationship with him, to apply that how he deals with us and how we can in turn deal with him in conversation, intimate conversation with a friend. I have called you my friends, Jesus says so powerfully, to his disciples. I no longer call you servants, but I have called you my friends. The letter to the Hebrews describes our Lord as a man like us in all things but sin. And this is a wonderful thing to consider, to really, again, emphasize our connection with Jesus, that we have things in common. We have this humanity in common, this human experience in common. He was like us in all things but sin. He liked people, and we also see that he liked to eat and drink with people. He liked to socialize. He says of himself, 
the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they call him a drunkard. They criticize him for his sociability. And we see him at various parties and meals throughout the Gospels. Which means he he liked food, he liked wine, he liked to be with people. We see here how normal our Lord was. He's at the wedding feast of Cana. He goes to that party in Matthew's house after he calls Matthew to be his disciple. He's at another party in Zacchaeus' house. He served a meal in Bethany by Martha. He makes breakfast himself. He makes breakfast to the apostles after the resurrection. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens to me, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. In the book of Revelation, a great a great way of thinking about our prayer life, our Lord stands at the door of our heart, of our soul, and knocks. And if we open to him, what does he want to do? He wants to come in and sup with us and have a meal with us. A great way of thinking about our times of prayer, of these personal, intimate times with you, Lord. Where you can say to us, how are you? What's on your mind? What's been going on? And we can unburden ourselves to you, Lord, and tell you things. And then put our attention on you and say, well, Lord, how are you? What's on your mind? What are your concerns? And we can wonder what our Lord's concerns are and what he wants us to do and ask him that. Lord, how can I help you? How can I help the people in my life for you? How can I help the situation of the church and the world for you, Lord? What can I do? these great concerns that our Lord must carry in his heart. And Lord, like you, I too need to be social. Am I social enough? Do I try to have people over for dinner or go out with people for coffee? Where else can I get to know them and, and love them as, as a true friend? Unless I spend time with them, unless I find means, relaxed means of having conversations. What more natural way than over a meal or something to drink. A man like us in all things but sin, so human. Our Lord's humanity is also reflected in his great range of interests. He knew the games the kids played. Right? He says, We piped to you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Referring to a game that kids played in the courtyards where they would mime a certain uh, action and they would expect their companions on the, other, on the other side to respond accordingly. If our Lord were around today, he would know about the games that kids play. Fortnite or Minecraft or whatever they're playing now. He knew about current events. He asked that question, Do you think that those that Tower killed were bigger sinners than anyone else? So people knew about this incident. Some Tower fell in Siloam and killed several people and he uses that as an example do you think that was because they were great sinners he knew politics he knew political figures talks about Herod you go tell that fox he knew about all sorts of professions shepherds kings generals businessmen farmers household servants mothers all these figures make their way into his preaching. 
He was interested in their work. He knew about how people worked and how the world worked. And Lord, this means that you're also interested in me and in my work, in my games, in my diversions, in what goes into my profession, in my daily life. St. Josemaria would say that nothing about us is indifferent to God. He loves us so much, nothing about us is indifferent to him. He's interested in everything. A man like us in all things but sin, Lord, you also knew the limitations of being human. You knew what suffering was like. And St. Josemaria would advise us to read the Gospels in our prayer, to take them to our prayer, in order to have this great ideal to get familiar with Jesus Christ, to be familiar with him, to be friendly with him, to be intimate with him, to learn about him so we can love him as a true friend and identify with him. St. Josemaria writes, Let's accompany him to Bethany with his friends. Contemplate him wearied as he was from his journey next to Jacob's well. He is so tired after an exhausting day that he falls asleep on the cushion in a boat tossed by the storm. His tears are real. Seeing Mary of Bethany weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. He cries for Jerusalem, an expression of his merciful gaze towards us, his compassion for the people and his attention to each one. When we find things difficult, so after considering all these ways in which Jesus is human, tired and hungry, sad at the death of his friend, weeping over Jerusalem, their lack of response to his love, their, his unrequited love, causing that great sorrow in his soul. Considering all these ways that Jesus is human, St. Josemaria draws this conclusion. When we find things difficult... When we get tired in our work, in our studies, in our apostolic endeavors, when our horizon is darkened by lowering clouds, then let us turn our eyes to Jesus, to Jesus who is so good and who also gets tired, to Jesus who is hungry and suffers thirst. Lord, how well you make yourself understood, how lovable you are. Lord, you're a man like us in all things but sin, living a true human existence, which means he was not always happy and go lucky. We see our Lord afraid in the gospel. We see him sad. We see him frustrated with his apostles. Where is your faith, he tells them more than once. Oh, you have little faith. We see him frustrated at the lack of response from people, from the crowds, from Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. We see you, Lord, angry at certain situations and certain attitudes. He cleanses the temple. He's angry when he engages in epic trash-talking against the scribes and the Pharisees. You brood of vipers, he tells them. And why is he angry with them? Well, it's because he loves them. He's trying to shake them out of their self-reliance. Shake them out of their self-righteousness. He uses his anger to shock them into the realization that they're sinners 
so that they know that they need him and they need God and they need forgiveness and therefore can be forgiven. Lord Jesus, you're perfect God and you're perfect man. And when we see you frustrated, sad, angry, and afraid, we can take some consolation that you understand our frustration, our sadness, our bad moods, our impatience, our difficult days, our difficult moments. You lived all of these things, and so they're all a way of connecting with you. Sometimes we think we can only connect with our Lord when everything is just fine. We think, well, I'll pray when I fix this bad habit, or I'll pray when I get over this time of trial or difficulty, and then I'll kind of get my Catholic and Christian life on track. If something is wrong, I need to fix it myself first, and then and then I can live a life closer to Jesus. And that's not the way Jesus lived, and it's not the way he expects us to live with him. He's our Savior. It's precisely through our difficulties, through our trials, through our limitations, through our bouts of sin even, that we have to turn to him and connect with him and ask him for help and ask him for mercy and realize that he understands. A man like us in all things but sin. But even sin, Lord, this is the great mystery of your passion. Even sin you experienced, you experienced what it means to be a sinner without being guilty for sin. You took our iniquities upon yourself as if you deserved it. That's the crushing weight of evil that really constituted the torture of the agony of the garden, the torture, the passion. Our Lord taking on sin, as scripture says, he became sin for our sake, but not being guilty for it. And so you you also know, Lord, what it's like to feel separated from God, what it's like to feel isolated, what it's like to feel guilty, even in that negative experience of sin, Lord, I can find some companionship in you, with you, and turn it into my own sorrow for my sins and let you love me precisely there in my brokenness, precisely there where I need it the most, where there's the most lack of love in my heart, where my heart and my capacity to love seem the smallest. Lord, you took that on yourself without deserving it, out of love for me. Philip asked Jesus at the Last Supper, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Another great motive for reflecting on Jesus' humanity in our prayer. Another great reason to take the Gospels to our prayer, to imagine our Lord's humanity, to try to picture his face and his eyes, feel his embrace, see his feet and his sandals and his tunic, all those things mentioned in the Gospel, those hands that reached out and embrace children and 
healed sick people by touching them. That tunic whose fringe was touched by that woman with great faith and she was cured of her hemorrhage. Those eyes with which he looks compassion on the crowd. All those aspects of our Lord's humanity that people saw and recorded in the gospel. Those feet which that woman washed with her tears, anointed with oil and dried with her hair, right before his passion and death. All these aspects of his body, of his humanity, that people experienced and remembered and told stories about and recorded, well, they're all there for us in the gospel, for us also to see him, to see him with our imagination, to see him with our faith, the faith of our prayer life. And in doing that, Jesus says, you have seen the Father. You've seen God. We can see God in our prayer if we see Jesus in our prayer. And we can see Jesus in our prayer if we use the scriptures to get to know his sacred humanity. What a wonderful opportunity to see God even before we die. He who has seen me has seen the Father. And so it's a great resolution to bring our favorite gospel passages to our prayer, to slow down, to use our imagination, to put ourselves in those scenes, to imagine what it was like to be any one of those people who Jesus laid his hands on, to look into his eyes and see his compassion and his desire to help, and to respond with a great faith, Lord, I believe you can do this. I can believe you can help me. This is why I came. And then to apply that to our problems, to our physical illness or ailments, to our mental or spiritual failings or sufferings, and say, Lord, I believe that your healing power can help me. I believe that you're with me, that you are helping me. That at least you can cure my lack of trust and my lack of of love, because those are the things I need to please you, to be a saint. Those are the things, in a certain sense, our Lord has to give us. He has to give us the grace to do His will. He has to give us the grace to be saints. And so we could line up as if we're one of those crippled or blind or deaf or possessed people in the crowd and get close to our Lord and see the person in front of us being healed and then present ourselves in front of him and say, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. At least in this thing that I know that you want me to do, that I know that you want me to change, and a greater trust in you, a greater love for you and love for my neighbor, which are the heart of sanctity. And I know you want me to be a saint. You want me to be a better Christian, more vibrant Christian. Lord, I believe that you can do it. And then we can imagine his saying, I do will. Be thou made clean, as he said to that leper. I do want it. I do want to help you. Be healed. And in our imagination, in our mind's eye, but very much in his presence in our prayer, we let those hands touch our head or embrace our shoulders, or if we're even more daring, just to hug us, to give us a big embrace. And we try to feel Jesus' love through his humanity. 
and through that humanity to feel the love of God. Because Jesus is God. He who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen God. He who has touched me, therefore, has touched God. And we all touch him if we receive him in communion. To receive Jesus in communion is to receive God. Is to become one with God. Lord Jesus, thank you for making yourself so available. And help me, help me um, to find time to do this. Time to, to have my own meditation. Your podcasts are great and there's a lot of great ones out there. But, but we can't always be listening to meditations or podcasts. We have to do our own. We have to, we have to pick up the Bible on our own. And use our own imagination and talk to Jesus in our own words. And let him ask him that question to us. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? And have a conversation with him that is totally ours. Otherwise, what's the point? Right? We're just listening to other people <laughs> do their prayer or try to reflect on things. The whole point, Lord, is that I talk to you, that I love you, that I get to know you. And so, Lord, help me to find the time to do this and help me not to be afraid of, of silence, not to rely too much even on reading in my mental prayer. To read a little bit and then to apply it to my life. And to apply it to my life, Lord, in a way that is open to your input and is receptive of you and of your will. To have times in my prayer, Lord, where all I do is look at you or all I do is sit attentively waiting for you to say something. Or all I do is just repeat just one of your phrases. Go and sin no more. Or as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. If I could just repeat one of our Lord's words or phrases, let it sink in. That would be a great half hour of prayer. A wonderful time of being attentive to our Lord of letting his word touch different parts of my life, have an effect on me, letting it sink in. Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me, Lord, to get to know your sacred humanity so that through it I can get to know your divinity, to get to know myself as well. Right, That question at times is good for us to ask ourselves. What are you talking about on the way? What's on my mind? Why? <laughs> Why is that so important to me? And if we talk to our Lord about it, well, we discover other things that we should be thinking about or that we could be working on or thinking about, making more important. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady is the source of our Lord's humanity. Without Our Lady's fiat, our Lord does not become human. His human body comes from her human body. The blood that runs in his veins was pumped by her heart. The nourishment he received for those nine months in the womb was nourishment that came from her, from food that she ate. Our Lady, author and source of our Lord's sacred humanity, pray for us. Help us to fall in love with your Son and his human nature.
I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.